Episode Seven: Stories May Save Us Yet, by Christine Ziegler in the Mono Lake Newsletter. Dear listeners, I want to invite you to think about if there's a local park or nature preserve that is close and dear to your heart, and has inspired you to think in a different way, to learn more, or even changing some of your habits, and just cherish that relationship. I have my story of seeing one amazing photo of a natural landscape. Vowed to visit, and finally did. And although knowing deep in my heart that I must do my part to protect it, still let it take several years to transition from just a visitor and consumer mindset enjoying recreation areas to a more active participant mindset. And one such place for me is the Mono Lake in California. It's an ancient lake to the east of Yosemite National Park. The signature view of Mono Lake is gray, eerie tufa towers. These are limestone towers zooming out of the still waters under a pink and purple sunset, and it's a vast landscape in a dry area. And you have these really strange shapes coming out of the water. And the dramatic scene really drew me in, and I had quite a memorable adventure there in that area. But it was a long time after that, after my visit, that I read about more tidbits of Mono Lake. That it's a source of water for the Los Angeles area, and it's an important stop for migra- migrating birds. To rest and to spawn. There are tidbits about how different groups have worked together historically over the decades to address population influx, environmental awareness, the shift in the concept about protecting water and the land, finding out how it supports、um, the ecology, whether it's human or、um, other plants and animals. Also, cultural preservation and sustainable economy development to support people, more and more residents,、uh, in our world. I was impressed by,、uh, through Mono Lake publications, how they have helped me grow from a consumer to be one that's more curious and more engaged in the bigger bigger picture. There are tidbits of stories or information, kind of massed in survey format, for example, and this is how I came across a writing I am sharing with you today, from the newsletter of Mono Lake, Winter Spring, twenty twenty one, that is sent out to members. In their newsletter each year, they ask a writer to contribute to, to the Mono Lake calendar, and in this article, the writer, Christine Ziegler. Calls for nature writing to be different and to change, because it is no longer enough to invoke awe and inspiration and wonder in people. Instead, we need nature writers to figure out how human brain make decisions, and write in a way 
that kind of trigger and support readers to take action. Since these are old parts of the journey in nature spirituality, I'm excited to share this reflection of the writer with you, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Please stop what you're doing and hop in. I'm going to take you to Mono Lake, one of North America's oldest lakes, transporting you with my words to the otherworldly tufa towers, poking out of the water, the volcanic craters like sentinels overlooking the basin, and the Sierra Range, a wall of granite rising more than seven thousand feet from the shore. With all my heart and my abilities, I will endeavor to convince your brain that you're there right now, wading in water that's more than twice as salty as the ocean. It isn't hard to do. As a human, you can't help but be pulled into a story. But I'm not going to go on in that vein, showcasing the landscape or posing rhetorical questions about animal behavior. Such as, did you know that the California gulls you see at the beach are probably hatched at Mono Lake? I'm not going to make this a treatise on why a balance needs to be struck between the natural world and our own. Descriptive nature writing that captures hearts and minds is not sufficient for the times we are in. Love of nature and its wonders is not enough. Even though I appreciate nature writing and our nation's great authors, such as John Muir and Henry David Thoreau, the best nature writers evoke wonder, astonishment, and reverence for the natural world, for wild places where salmon's bound to savannas, where lions roam. But let's face it, nature writing isn't doing a great job of saving nature. Nature writing needs to change, and the new nature writer must answer the question posed by poet Mary Oliver: How will we love this world? The new nature writer must embrace an elevated role, not just as poet and interpreter, but as wielder of neuroscience and storytelling. It's time for nature writing to evolve to its grandest possible purpose. To illuminate the path from a world in crisis to one of solutions and sustainability, Rachel Carson and Terry Tempest Williams have laid that groundwork. The new nature writer need to look no further than the story of how Mono Lake was saved, how activists and attorneys alike used stories rich with emotions and data, in order to influence policymakers. Judges and supporters like you. The new nature writer recognizes that the natural world and the human-built world are connected. All of it, the majestic places like Yosemite and the freeways and skyscrapers in Los Angeles or Beijing, is our home. It's home where information about public health, poverty, climate, and the economy can be shared faster than ever before. The new nature writer recognizes that the written word, the spoken story, contains the primal power to create social change. 
Indeed, it always has, since storytelling has been around. As it turns out, storytelling and Mono Lake are the same age. Picture this: some one million years ago, the first story was probably being told around a campfire in Africa. Meet our ancestors, Homo erectus. They just learned to make fires and cook meat from animals they hunted. Because of this, they need to talk at night and figure out what time of the day they will go out for a hunt, which tools they will use, and the role each person will play. That takes double the size of brain than what their predecessors, Homo habilis, had, from five hundred to one thousand cubic centimeters. See that tall teenager with a spear? He's telling the others about how he killed the antelope step by step. See how he pretends to hide in a tree, then jumps down and jabs the unsuspecting antelope at close range. See the little children watching; they want to know how it's done. The young man with the spear starts over again. He's telling a story. It's one of the first stories ever told. According to writer Ursula Le Guin, a story is something moving, something changing. But stories also have an evolutionary starring role in the history of humanity. Stories build cohesion between us, bring order to chaos, and warn us about danger, like animals that can hurt us or plants we shouldn't eat. About three hundred years ago, with the harnessing of fire, the meat, and the increasing amount of collaboration required to hunt, our cranial capacity jumps to thirteen hundred cubic centimeters. Homo erectus becomes Homo sapiens. Us. Come, let's go to the year nineteen seventy-eight, a classroom at Bishop High School. The guest speakers are a young couple. Hear that clicking? It's a Kodak carousel slide projector. That's a picture of monolake seagulls and tufa. Normally, these high school students are half asleep. And today they are asking questions. The lake, the man says, is in trouble. The woman says the odds of its survival are practically slim to none. How are they going to save it? They won't save it by themselves. They need to tell more stories to more people. The woman organizes a base of operations. There is risk that no one will believe them. But neuroscience tells us that people are unable to resist stories. True ones, made-up ones, we take them all in. We're alive as long as we tell each other stories. When I was a girl growing up in the Owens Valley, I thought we would be living in a space station orbiting the Earth by the year 2021. I feared our planet would be uninhabitable after nuclear fallout. Thankfully. The Cold War ended, but with climate change, pandemics, droughts, and catastrophic fires from California to in the Amazon to Australia, the need for a new nature writer is clear. My advice to the new nature writer 
or to anyone who wants to create a new way of doing things. Imagine the change needed. Link it with neuroscience. Figure out how the brain makes decisions. Build your time machine. Test out your story. Take heart. You are the only animal that envisions a better future, and figures out how to get there. That was stories may save us yet, by Christine Ziegler, included in the Mono Lake newsletter. Winter Spring, twenty twenty one.